this is one podcast I have been looking forward to forever try to you know keep myself busy learning new things all the time basically there's so many ways in which we can find benefits welcome to the bim student podcast in this podcast we talk to leaders followers innovators and adopters from our aec industry like a student i ask questions that we all wanted to ask on our digital transformation journey but never actually did. I explore concept, products, ideas, and future possibilities in digital transformation space. Each week, I meet with an amazing guest from the industry. I look forward to learn something new, share new experiences, thoughts, and opinions, and how to make BIM journey better for everybody across the board. Ever since I started this podcast, I have talked to many professionals about their experience and their BIM adoption journey. Some of those were project designers and consultants, while some of them were general and specialized contractors. I realized many times there's a lot of communication gap between the ones who use the technology to design and the ones who use the technology to construct. So I thought, why not to bring both of them together on this platform and address some of the common concerns I've heard from both sides. So I invited two professionals, one from GC side and one from consultant side, and want to see who's slaying their BIM game better and what exactly are the hindrances in the path of collaboration and technology adoption. I will be talking to Yeet Karanfil, design technology lead from InStudio and Sean Lemrock, Team Lead VDC Construction Operations at Pomerlo. Welcome to my podcast, Yeet and Sean. I'm so glad finally, after I think so many back and forth, we were able to do it. This is one podcast I have been looking forward to forever now. How are you guys doing? I'll go first, I guess. Thanks for having me again. Happy to be here. Yes, we both had to, you know, get our uh, post-COVID vacations after not traveling for two years. But yeah, happy to be back in Toronto and uh, back in the podcast. Yeah, I, sh- I share the same sentiments. It's great to see you guys again um, outside of work, and it's also great to hear that uh, some people took some time, <laughs> took some time, whether it was on purpose or by accident, you know, to take care of that part before we before we meet up. So. I'm really excited to also be here and see everyone again and everyone's healthy. So that's great. We planned this podcast in spring and now it's summer. What are you guys up to this summer? What is happening? Let's go with Yeet first. Uh, I built a deck. uh, So I'm hoping to have some barbecues over there in the summer. Uh, As far as work goes, uh, as you know, I I have a new job, basically. Slightly different position. So... Just getting my bearings and uh, setting things up there. So far, so good. It's been pretty great, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, just enjoying the new place and the position, and uh, you know, just digging into things and trying to see what I can automate and uh, where can we, uh, you know, get some efficiencies. The usual. Great. And what are you up to, Sean? I know you were on vacation, a long one. Yeah, I mean, not crazy too long, but um, <laughs> enough of a chance to explore the world a bit. Definitely always love to travel. Great chance to like learn and experience 
different things in this huge world <laughs> that we have to explore. Of course, um, doing some things around the house, I think like everyone kind of hitting up that to-do list in the house to kind of make sure it's good for the summer, no different than eat. Just to make sure that I'm trying to catch up with friends and get outside and, you know, get by the water. I like being on the water, mm -hmm. going for hikes with friends, you know, a lot of friends bring dogs. So uh, dogs always make life better as well. So that part is always great in the summer. And then work's work. Um, summertime is busy time for construction. So there's always, there's never going to be a shortage of uh, tasks to do or people to help or phone calls to answer. But ultimately just trying to live a healthy life in the summer and get outside as much as possible when I'm not at the computer. That's yeah. really uh, the objective and try to really stay active as much as possible. Great. So coming to work, I introduced you guys a little bit earlier, but let's go through a formal round of introductions. What does Yeet do for a living? And except breathing, uh, and what does Sean do for as a day job? Let's start with Yeet. So currently I am the design technology lead for InStudio. We're a mid-sized interior design company in Toronto. My job in general is uh, in addition to BIM management, just uh, searching and bringing any useful technologies to the company, mm -hmm. training people, finding uh, new and better ways to work. Anything that impacts our design process that technology can help with basically is under my responsibility. Anything from art designs, visualizations, project management, uh, pretty much everything. That is awesome. And what does Sean do as a day job? What does Sean do as a day job? Uh, it's a great question. <laughs> um, I, well, I work out of the Ottawa, um, Ontario office here in Canada and lead a team of VDC professionals that ultimately uh, support the most efficient use of tools and processes and implementation standards and protocols to support construction methodologies in the real world. More, more importantly, to eventually support the real world. That's the ultimate end goal that mm -hmm. sometimes we get away from is like, we're actually trying to construct something in real life. So we support that growth of construction digitally to make sure that we ultimately reduce, you know, whether it be clashes or we can help with the schedule or we can help someone understand the project better in 3D. There, there's so many ways in which we can find benefits, uh, really help people and the stakeholders uh, that interact with either our team directly or indirectly when supporting construction projects. Okay. You are one of the BIM people in your company, right? I think both of you have had very, very interesting careers. Like I find it that you guys are like complete package because he has worked at an engineering company that was HH Angus, right? Where you did start with the whole getting into design technology side of things. And with IBI, Dialogue, HOK, you've garnered a lot of experience on the consultant side of affairs, right? And Sean has worked on consultant side. Now he's working with construction uh, side of affairs. And I have learned a lot from both of you. And personally, like this is not something I'm saying for the podcast for just for saying, um, I can give all my credit of how to write a BIM execution plan to Sean and all the credit 
of how to manage BIM on a project to yield. So you two guys are like all, also the people I would message if I have a design technology BIM slash even life questions, I will message you guys. So you guys have a lot of experience in design technology and construction management, coordination, collaboration. Do you think have we come a long way where we were, let's say, 2012, 2013, when we initially started our journey at the respective companies that we worked with as design technology specialists. Do you think we guys have come long way? Technology's come long way. Uh, let's start with Yeet. Okay, so when we asked like if we've come a long way, uh, I'd like to think so. I try to, you know, keep myself busy learning new things all the time. Basically, you know, there is a new technology every day that can solve another problem. And I, I really feel compelled to keep up with it because to me, that, that's the job basically. And um, I would say the technology itself, like it's kind of easy to look at how little Revit has improved for instance, right? Uh, I mean, especially compared to the subscription uh, cost you know, we just keep paying for it. And uh, I mean, it's not as bad as Navisworks, but uh, Revit is the dominant uh, kind of altering software in this industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, there's been some improvements in the last few years, but in general, I think we can all just uh, agree that it's been a bit stale in the de- development side. So it's kind of easy to look at things like that or like other large software vendors just, you know, not being uh, too competitive and feel a bit uh, cynical about it. But I really do think there's genuine improvements to uh, how we work and what we can do right now. I'm definitely not doing some of the things I used to like like five, eight years ago. Part of it is, I guess, uh, my seniority has uh, kind of progressed, but also... I can automate a lot of these things now, right? Mm-hmm. So something, there were definitely tasks that would take us like maybe half a day, an entire day that we can completely eliminate now. There are actually free tools and really good open source projects uh, that are happening. So I would say that tech is developing a bit slowly at this point, but I do see some hope with all the open source developments and uh, some of the tools that we already have access to that has uh, made significant improvements to uh, quality of our work, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what about you, Sean? You think from where you started, I know you also had a career with Algonquin College as an instructor, right? That was a really great point um, before I graduated, exactly. So I started my kind of my journey um, watching people like myself um, like ahead of me. And then as I graduated, you know, they were now students and mm-hmm. watching people break things all the time. <laughs> um, like, and, and going th- kind of through those repetitions to help people out. And like, you're like, oh, I was, I was just there. I was just breaking things. Like, this is crazy that I can now help people unbreak them or learn how to, how to improve it in a way that doesn't break the computer, doesn't make a warning label uh, pop up to say, hey, 
please don't do that. Or please don't ever do that depending on the, depending <laughs> on the warning. Right. So in all intents and purposes, kind of prepares you for life in the VDC role when you, you know, you get into the office as a lot of us did, like a, a good part of our job was helping people and jumping over to people's computers and helping them do this or helping them do that. And, mm -hmm. you know, doing that within moments notice. <laughs> so that part was really great in terms of technology improving from there after coming into the industry, it's, I kind of see the tools like really not as important as maybe we did in our younger careers. Like, you know, maybe fast forward five years later where we're all here talking again. And it's, you know, I kind of like, like to take a step back and it's like, ask not what the tool like maybe can do for us, but ask what we can do with the tools for others. And now that we kind of have that four or five years of experience of, not only uh, like warnings from Revit and all these other softwares that we, you know, we're, we're tasked to use. It really like, it's really powerful to think about how they all work together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Really. And, and that, and how should we be using it that way? Or should we not be using it that way? Is, is it, is someone a mad scientist or did that spark us to maybe think how we should use this tool versus that tool? And, you know, like, like kind of, you said, it's a never ending debate of, understanding these tools and understanding what's out there to see can it actually improve what we're doing or is it just like is it something that's kind of there so mm -hmm. um i guess the perspective i take to technology is yeah i think it's always going to improve but it's kind of up to us and the people we surround ourselves with to really gauge and you know inform ourselves to understand which software um is a right decision and, and listen to other people's opinions and collect that information and really be responsible with what we do with that information. Um, that's kind of where I'm at when it comes to mm -hmm. technology. It's more of a philosophical answer, maybe not a like a wizardry answer, but that's that's in short kind of where I'm at when it comes to technology. Mm -hmm. I think um, I will ask a practical question now. Uh, and now you said that right now we're at a position that we're not thinking about a tool as what it can do for us, but how can we employ the tool to, you know, work or serve the project? Now, do you feel that at this point of time, technology or specific tools are becoming more of a hindrance than like a facilitator for coordination and collaboration? Or you feel that we got all these amazing tools, but we still need to like collaborate and coordinate in the human way like I still sometimes some people say you know we collaborate better without this the technology say for example architects they say we do need to collect on a desk and get the design out or interior designers whereas some people say oh I'm good I can just be with my tool and do whatever you ask me to do so where do you think we are at right now uh, is technology being a hindrance or is it being a facilitator for collaboration and coordination? And he would go first. Okay, so the argument of technology becoming a hindrance, I mean, okay, I've heard people say before, like, okay, instead of using this tool and documenting things here, mm -hmm. I can just walk up to someone's desk and solve this. Right. And to that, my response is, you're clearly not doing that, like based on this, uh, these design coordination issues I'm seeing in this project. Mm -hmm. th th this happened, by the way. Anyway, so I think the, the point is, I think it's on people like myself, like you, myself and Sean, like these uh, kind of uh, 
technology experts to uh, first of all find the right tool for the job mm-hmm. and then implement it right right so if a tool is becoming a hindrance right it means it's either not the right tool for the job or it is not implemented right so when I was back in Turkey actually uh, a few weeks back I joined an event as a speaker and somebody asked me about doing clash detection in Power BI and my question was why would you do that I can see that happening like I mean you, you can do it totally right you can customize Power BI to do that but it's like just just use Solibri, you know, there's a tool that's meant to do exactly that. Just just use the right tool. You're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, it's going I to be a lot more complicated. Why would you use a food processor to chop one onion? I wouldn't do that. I mean, yeah, it's just uh, the other side of this argument is that some tools are definitely more difficult to learn, right? And I can see that people say like making claims like this other tool is a hindrance when, you know, when they're not very well versed in it. And Mm -hmm. then, yeah, I could just sketch this much faster. But that is a bit short-sighted, I think, because, Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to think about the project in its entirety Mm -hmm. and maybe even the building's life cycle as a whole, basically, Mm -hmm. right? So a lot of the tools we have today are definitely more complicated Mm -hmm. than their counterparts that were used maybe 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they also are a lot more powerful and they they provide us more data and more uh, options to do things. And uh, we had this discussion actually with my coworkers the other day where they were just saying like, oh, can you imagine doing a, uh, you know, full like, set for a 20-story building like like 40 years ago by hand mm-hmm. but you know to that argument i also said well if you look at the drawings from like 40 50 years ago mm-hmm. they also look a lot more simple right mm-hmm. we were not we were not producing buildings or drawings that were as complicated as we do now because yeah it would be seriously just crazy to do this by hand. So mm-hmm. I think just looking at that, you can see that, I mean, this is a very simple example, but you can tell that, yeah, definitely the digital tools are allowing us to accomplish more complex tasks in a more efficient manner. What do you think, Sean? Do you think technology is your best buddy or it's creating hindrance sometimes when you, if you want to collaborate live? <laughs> It's the, uh, it's the magic question, right? We have, uh, you know, between all three of us separate, like we have a, a lot of responsibility, like of being the, we'll call it the gatekeeper of, of that domain within our roles, right? So that's quite a powerful question. I'm of the believer that, you know, it does not hinder, but that will reflect on us mm-hmm. uh, of whether that can be successful and not us solely, more importantly. I look at VDC a lot like, um, you know, like a sports team. Uh, so like playing hockey, I look at it as like a nice hockey team, right? So, you know, as the VDC person, you really have to understand like maybe your role on the team because there's going to mm-hmm. be a lot of different people and being able to pull a lot of people together and build that team, um, you know, during construction, as we go through a project, you're going to have HVAC experts, you're going to have plumbing experts, you're going to have 
maybe I'm the technology expert on the project and the, the software tool and authoring expert and just a lot of different experts on the team. And we have to, as a group, understand that, that without everyone, we cannot achieve it. Tools are really going to actually be a part of that. Um, so I look at the project and all the stakeholders and the users of software. They are our users and, and we're kind of their product owner. And mm -hmm. we really need to make sure that, you know, are, do they have the capabilities right now to learn a technology or a software? Do they need training? Do they need support? Do they need to be, you know, mentored a little bit? Do they need someone to go above and beyond, you know, what someone else may need? Do they need a buddy system, right? Like kindergarten, right? Do they need someone to fall around? And you're like, hey, I got to go get my lunch pail. Can you come with me, right? Like it's not that different. Just knowing sometimes that you have someone right beside you, even though you're not talking to them, sometimes that can also be enough. So I feel as, yeah, technology can be a hindrance. Our responsibility is to set it up for success. And I, and I think from a construction point of view, that's ultimately so important because we go so fast. Like mm -hmm. we, we go so fast in the real world, uh, models are live, things are being automated in the background to make sure we're literally spending the most amount of time dealing with things that are going to be real problems to reverse that so that it's a problem in the digital world and resolved in the digital world. And you actually, the person that's swinging the hammer or running a piece of equipment, they're not considering that as something that, you know, is going to hold them up ultimately um, at the end of the day. So a lot rides on us actually to make sure that, you know, as Yeet said, it's implemented properly, right? You have the different phases of technology, whether it's, you know, we're looking into, you know, what are the pain points of the users or, you know, what is the implementation process? How are you measuring the implementation process? Are you following up with people? Uh, um, have you not talked to them in a couple of months? So, so, you know, there's a lot that goes into the technology side, but ultimately I think the way that we're going we're and the way our society is going is we're moving to a digital workflow. Mm -hmm. We're moving to things where whether Yeet's in another country, I'm in another country, and China, you're in another country, we can still somehow come together to work together, be productive, eliminate waste, um, eliminate risk to projects, whether it be construction design, um, you know, or operations and maintenance, and making sure we're providing the highest level of service to that project because ultimately. That's what we're providing. We're providing a service to mm -hmm. a set of users that may or may not have expectations of us. So like I get excited to make sure that like technology can be used well and we can, you know, report at the end, you know, was it used well or was it not used well? And, mm -hmm. you know, it's totally cool if we have lessons learned, like right. that's the whole point. So I think totally like uh, eliminating the taboo of, you know, never talking about failures, you know, within our organization, we want to make sure that we highlight these things and talk about them and fix them immediately for the next one. And that's what technology can enable us to do is to also go through way more information and way more projects. As you said, they're going so much faster, going so much more complex. So without these sophisticated tools and processes to support that, yeah, I mean, I would be baffled to how we would process everything that we do in our day to day. My brain almost actually explodes thinking about that. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't think uh, I think one of my friends, she's a project manager. And when she was doing her her round of interviews, one of the guys who interviewed her they just said this thing. And 
And that's why this question, he said the same thing that, you know, just 20 years ago, when I was due to the business, we would just ask, and they are from the construction side, we would just go ask the consultant that, what is this? You know, it was a lot simple to collaborate when we didn't have this technology. It was so simple to coordinate when we didn't have this technology. It's becoming more complicated. And I think she had a similar answer. She said that it depends who's using it and how they're using it. Uh, so I think that that kind of sums up. And, and I feel even though you both are working on the different sides of the project, again, it's the technology that's bringing us together and we will have to travel to solve those problems and you know it just saves everybody time and energy and money and all of that stuff because like I always say that I'm one person who has a lot of friends zero enemies I don't think I have enemies right now at this point of my life or people who disagree with me uh, because I've worked with architects engineers contractors and I understand everybody's point of view I think I'm making an overstatement by saying that, that this thing is going out in public but let's see but I've always heard consultants complaining and ranting about contractors not doing stuff on project or not coordinating or collaborating the right way or general contractors or trades saying that we didn't get so-and-so information from the consultants and I do want to make it about and I do not want to make it about consultants against contractors uh, and I know you cannot speak for everybody you can only speak from your experience but I'm pretty sure both of you from all these years of experience, you do have some frequent rants, frequent peeves that you have for the other side. And let's start with Sean this time. Do you have some pet peeves with the consultants? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think we'll all probably have some pet peeves, but yeah, sure. I mean, to answer the question, it, I think it goes without saying, uh, I guess the one that hits home constantly are work sets. We get a lot of models from designers, you know, typically do we see work sets used? That's kind of the starting question. That's like one of the first things that we'll look at when we, you know, when we get a model other than maybe shared coordinates and work sets off the bat, you know? So when we open a model and we're like, all right, what, what work sets were used on this project? And, you know, maybe you see like stairs, stairs one, <laughs> stairs two, <laughs> stairs three. Hopefully it doesn't, hopefully it doesn't go on the stairs 10, but, you know, and having been on the design side, I can really understand that. I don't see it as a pet peeve anymore. I, I actually kind of just see as like, is there a chance I can educate on this at this point? Is there a chance I can share a work set document? Is there a chance I can have a training session, but it, it really used to bug me because, you know, when we all worked together at IBI, we were all like taught, like, let's use work sets. It's so defined. We didn't have to invent a work set document. None of us did. We kind of just like had to implement it and, and monitor it. So I felt maybe like we were so used to getting like, we'll call the work sets in this case, like chocolate candy from like that special aunt or uncle that would come <laughs> over all the time. And here's your chocolate. So when I went over to the to the construction side, it's like, where's my chocolate? That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the chocolate. Mm -hmm. um, for anyone that might be watching, keep the chocolate hopefully coming if we're working on another project together. Um, and yes, but work sets. I'll I'll kind of leave it at that, Chetna. That's that's, it? that's one of my. That's it? Uh, I have yeah. heard a lot more. Uh, what about a non-software related pet peeve? 
a non-software related pet peeve uh, to the designers? That's a good question. I think the I think the the good one would be not willing to come to a construction coordination meeting ever. I think like it's a really good opportunity for a design member to come to a construction coordination meeting. I actually go out of my way to invite them in the like the pre meeting to like make sure they can get onboarded the same way um, as everyone else before we kind of do the more formal and contractual kickoff. It just gives them a chance to like understand us a little better and you know like what is important for us and going through that presentation. So maybe it's not necessarily a pet peeve, but I I think I think it would give us both a chance to understand and see different perspectives and get different insights ultimately to help the project and because we all work on the same projects together too. So, you know, if he's on my project and he comes in and gets a little bit insight of like what my struggles are and what I'm doing in my job, that might hit a light bulb for him next time when we work together. And he's like, oh yeah, I remember that's, that's actually a big issue for Sean, but not a big issue for me to solve to help him another time. So mm-hmm. I would say willingness to attend construction coordination sessions. I, I think that would be a, a non-technology uh, pet peeve, I guess. Okay. Okay. We will have a rebuttal session after this. So, uh, I know you might be like, you know, I want to answer that, but let's first talk about the pet peeves you have from the Sean side of affairs, from the contractor side of affairs, and then we'll have a rebuttal and you guys will answer each other. I'm not sure if this would be considered a pet peeve, but it really rubs me the wrong way when there is an ask or a project requirement. Actually, this isn't even just limited to GC. It can be clients. It can be our uh, kind of subconsultants, GC. Like, it doesn't really matter. It always rubs me the wrong way when there is an ask or a requirement that serves absolutely nothing. Literally, I mean, like, oh, we would like to have this. And mm-hmm. just, you know, uh, the way I deal with them usually is like, I ask, okay, why? Like, <laughs> what, what, does, what does this serve? And like, I kid you not, like, I had cases where like, there is just no answer. Like, the, the, it can't be justified. And I'm like, well, why are you even asking for this in the first place? Like, it, it's really, I mean, Tan actually kind of, uh, touched on a really nice point when we we're talking about the technology uh, you should really think about not whether you could but you, if you should right so th- there's definitely an infinite amount of possibilities like things we can do with technology today but it doesn't mean you should do that you should do whatever is actually going to benefit the project you have to be objective oriented at the end of the day all the time we're burning through especially on the design side means we're burning through money uh we typically you know get our fees based on how much time we will spend on a project so we really have to be conscious about that so yeah naturally when there's a requirement that's going to cause us like i don't know like 200 hours of work Mm -hmm. and i don't really see the point i always kind of uh try to dig into it and see actually if this has any value. And, you know, if I ask the question and somebody comes back with an answer that makes a point that I haven't seen before, mm-hmm. that's perfectly fine. I'm, I'm ready to be convinced that this is actually useful, mm-hmm. but uh, 
I've seen just too many cases where it's not. Okay. Okay. So is there anything else? Is there a software related pet peeve that you have? Uh, I would say general organization. This is like organizational issues. Again, not really limited to GCs. Mm-hmm. Okay. We actually had a issue where GC was asking us to build like extremely long file names instead of using some sort of metadata. Mm-hmm. And we just had issues actually synchronizing with one, synchronizing them with OneDrive mm-hmm. because we were hitting the 256 character limit. Okay. okay. So just, you know, that this is an organization problem, basically. Uh-huh. Not, I mean, and you can have similar things in Revit browser where okay, here's my uh, project browser and here is all the views dumped into one place. That's partly because Revit's project browser is terrible too, but like, <laughs> that because... Oh, well, you can... You, okay, you, I would disagree with that. Revit's project browser is not bad. The person who uses that, if they don't know how to use it, then it becomes bad. Here's the thing. However well you know to use it, mm-hmm. it, it cannot separate your views, sheets, families, and every other damn thing in the model, right, is in one place. There is no need to do this ever. Like you don't ever have to have them in one place. In fact, if I could have my sheets and view in different places, Mm -hmm. maybe I could just drag and drop a view to sheet from one window to the other, you see? So, and Archicad already does this. So it's definitely underdesigned and it doesn't seem like they're looking at it at all. Okay. Yeah. I think I don't want to make it uh, me against Heath right now. I just want you guys to fight over stuff right now. Okay. So let's have a rebuttal. Thanks.